If I say Sierra Leone to you, I wonder what you think of. You might know that it was the place from which thousands of West Africans were forcibly taken to America to be slaves. You might think of the country's civil war, where rebels were known for recruiting child soldiers and for chopping off people's hands. Or you might think of the recent Ebola outbreak that killed 11,000 people in the region. All of these chapters in the country's history are deeply tragic and their impact is still being felt in all sorts of ways. And so it might be tempting to see its people as deserving of pity. But there are other stories from Sierra Leone, stories that aren't often told and stories that show its people in a very different light. And that's what today's podcast is about. Sierra Leone is divided almost equally between Christians and Muslims. In other parts of the world, it's common to hear about uneasy relations between these two faiths. But in Sierra Leone, not only do Christians and Muslims live in coexistence, but the adversity of the civil war and the Ebola outbreak have actually strengthened relations between the two faiths and done so in such a way that together they were able to play a huge part in bringing about an end to both of these crises. Now, a new cluster is working to take this interfaith and collaborative approach and to build upon it. A couple of months back, two members of this cluster attended our Africa Forum in Zambia. I was there and I had my sound recorder on hand as they told us about the work that's gone on between Christians and Muslims in the country. You're going to hear from Walter Carew. He's this kind of gentle giant from an organisation called the Church Health Association of Sierra Leone. And you're also going to hear from Adbane Smith. He's the facilitator of our cluster in the country. They began by telling us a little about why Christian and Muslim relations in the country work so well. So first up, here's Walter. Now, Sierra Leone is one country in Africa, and probably I would dare to say the worldwide that enjoys great religious tolerance. The Christian and the Muslim live together in harmony and peace. Traditionally, what has happened in the past, even before everything, is there are normally intermarriages between Christians and Muslims. So in most families, you have the Christian wing and they have the Islamic wing. And everybody in that family will pay visits to the Christian wing, okay, families, when it's Christmas. And when it's Ramadan, you see the Christian go over and visit their Muslim families. Yeah. And so that exchange at Keto, in spite of the antagonism and animosity we hear of in other countries, Sierra Leoneans have been together. So this is one reason for the interfaith collaboration. We were able to come together publicly yeah. as Christians and Muslims and work together. Mm-hmm. And Walter then carried on to explain how the civil war actually strengthened this relationship. You know Sierra Leone from 1991? Was yeah. it 1991? 1991, yeah. Um, to 2001, this rebel war that ravaged the whole country. Mm-hmm. And uh, these rebels, we are just going around destroying cities, destroying, killing people, cutting off arms, plucking off eyes, and all the kind of things. And the religious leaders got together and said, we must do something. And that was when, from their meeting at the Council of Churches, they formed the Interreligious Council, Mm -hmm. and a team of them sent a letter to the rebel that we are coming and we need to talk. 
they achieved that. They went to the bush. The, the then rebel leader, Fudi Sanko, everybody feared, had an audience with them. Well, he made a lot of promises, but he never kept to it. Because of this success, they formed the, they, they just stayed on and called themselves the Interreligious Council. And so any dispute, any difficult situation in the country, this group will always come together and say, what can we do as religious leaders? And there has never been a fight as to who should lead or who should not, should lead. not lead. Okay, they have worked perfectly together, and hence all of our national crises, we have them playing a part. The civil war came to an end in 2002, 11 years after it started. A period of respite then allowed the country to take stock, to achieve some level of stability, and to start to rebuild. During this time, the Interreligious Council became less active. But then, in 2014, the Ebola outbreak took a hold of the country. And this is where Adbane takes up the story. When Ebola struck, all of us were confused. We were, we were, we were not sure of what to do because it took us unawares. Okay? We were not prepared. Our health system was, was, was not ready for that kind of disease to answer the questions Ebola was asking. So all the NGOs, in fact, there were monies from everywhere. DFID was pouring money, UNICEF was pouring money with INGOs. So um, I was working for Restless Development at the time, and we had a consortium of five members, BBC Media Action, Focus 1000, CDC, and I was doing the coordination aspect of it, where we had young people, we trained them to go and uh, try to stop Ebola in the country. But then it didn't work. All our monies, our efforts, people kept dying. Then we thought of this very powerful group, the religious leaders. Because there are so much in the majority in our country, people believe when the pastor says something than when the president says something. This is the fact in Sierra Leone. If an imam goes to the, to the pulpit during Friday's uh, sermon and say, Assalamu alaikum, today please when you go home ensure you don't beat your wives. They take that as a, a who can cook truth, okay? And uh, if a pastor goes to the pulpit and says, today we are using this scripture, John 3.16 is saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall go to heaven. They believe that. Some of them don't even open the Bible. They just believe the pastor has said so. We need to go with that. So we thought of them. We said, we need to use these people. Adbain then described how he worked alongside Christian and Muslim community leaders in order to spread quite simple practices that would help bring an end to the outbreak. People were still in the habit of burying their dead. And with Ebola, you should not touch a dead person. But because it was a tradition in Sierra Leone, when somebody died, we need, like the Muslims, they need to make sure they, they bathe you within 24 hours, they need to take you to the grave. So people were practicing this, even when they were saying it on radio, they were still practicing it, and they kept on spreading the disease. In, in, I remember in Makeni, there was a particular community, there was somebody that died, and uh, they washed the dead body, and they prayed over it. All of them were infected, they went to their, 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 their homes, and they got them infected through vomiting and all that. The whole village suffered, and uh, we had lots of children who were left without parents. So we contacted them, we trained them, and we encouraged them to be using verses in the Bible, in the Quran,
to go to their Friday sermons and preach and talk about this. So we encourage them to find verses that talks about prevention in both the Quran and in the Bible. They also discourage, we encourage them to discourage congregational prayers. You know in the Muslims they will stand like this, shoulder to shoulder, to pray. So we discourage that. We, we told them to be having distance of one person's space and the next person. And they follow that and we notice the reduction started slowly. Okay? And uh, the other thing that they did that was also good was they facilitated the hand washing process. People, even when you and all of us, we are telling them, you need to wash your hands daily before you do anything. They were just saying, this is wrong. But because one thing we learned from the Islamic religion, they are already used to washing their hands, holding the, the, the thing before they go to the mosque. So that helps. In fact, some of them were using that now to, to even <laughs> say, Islam is the best religion. You see, we are practicing cleanliness. Now Ebola has come, he's saying we should wash our hands. Yes, so you should come over to Islam. So those kind of things. We notice that along the line. But then it helps us. Because... Um, at the end of the day, we noticed in villages where we had high incidence of death as a result of Ebola, as a result of touching, as a result of not washing hands, we noticed even during prayer now, um, religious leaders were not touching the bodies anymore. So what they were doing now, when, when somebody died of Ebola, they were ensure the body is there and they keep a distance and give that person a dignified and safe burial because that was a problem people were saying we are used to burying our patients when they die our, our loved ones we are used to touching them cry around them but now Ebola is saying we should not touch them why are we going to be burying our people in a disgraceful manner so we came back around the table and developed an SOP standard operating procedure wherein we say okay you can pray but then as a distance and we notice it's reduced the spread of Ebola because of that mm -hmm. the hand washing the prayer reduce it and also the other thing that reduces that I've said is when they were preaching on the pulpits during sermons and during uh, Friday kutubas they were using scriptures to talk to them that prevention is better you need to take care of yourself when if someone is sick don't touch make sure you prevent yourself so we notice if you if you had if you started hearing during BBC News, you were hearing the, the, the decrease of Ebola mm -hmm. at the time was because of them. They were very much instrumental. We tried. NGOs came. Everybody were, was, were pouring money, but it didn't help. Except when we used them, and we saw that they were a very vital tool to use. Um, and they really, really, really helped us push Ebola and clock Sierra Leone to zero at the time. Just to fill in some gaps there, so Christian and Muslim community leaders came together. They invited the government to train them on Ebola. They then worked with NGOs to spread health messages in the community, and they held discussion groups with community members. So if you're to summarise this interfaith programme, it's really a community-led approach that involves collaboration between all sorts of different sectors in society. And now, because this approach works so well in a humanitarian context, Walter and Adbane and their cluster want to use it in a development context to help make Sierra Leone a stronger and healthier place. So they then started to tell us about some of the barriers to development in the country. Here's Walter again. Now, when the rebel war was going on, a lot of child soldiers were, found, yeah. were recruited. Mm. And 
the demobilization process didn't go on well. And a lot of these guys are left around in the streets. Some were given um, some training and given toolkit which they sold, and they remain still <laughs> poor. Yeah. And so these are the people who are involved in these gangs, these night robberies, and they, they do not hesitate to use a weapon. Yeah. They have been using guns. They don't hesitate to use knives. They've been chopping off hands. They don't hesitate to stab. That's so these were the, the people who eventually metamorphosed into these gangs. Okay? And now, instead of helping the situation, what happens is that the politicians are using who want thugs to help them in their campaign would mobilize these boys. Funnily, um, I don't know whether you noticed in front of our office, uh, side street. Now, they are not just traders. You have drug pushers in there, um, substance abusers in there. Mm -hmm. they, 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 they are there, like doing business, washing cars. cars. And then you will see the one of politicians just drives up and stop and they, and they throw some money or t-shirts and they drive off. There's just one of many problems in the country that the cluster would like to address. In a moment, you'll hear Walter again speaking from his experience with the Christian Health Association of Sierra Leone. But first, here's Adbane again. All of the, 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 the cluster members now are members of different organisations. They have their niche. They have their strength. We have those in governance, those in supporting partners to implement. We have those doing education. We have the church leaders. So... All of them were so excited about this. Mm -hmm. And because we've tried religious leaders, when we have issues and they've solved it, and it has solved, and Ebola is a case study, so we think CAGN is very much important at this time in Sierra Leone. Because we believe the answers that we have about community development are all found in the model of CAGN. Mm -hmm. And uh, the more reason we've come here is to learn yeah. what have been happening with other clusters, and try to go back and see how we get back to our colleagues and put them around the table say this is what we've learned let's discuss what is feasible here so that said we pause for questions but before we pause for questions let me just make one more comment yeah maybe two things we are thinking we need to achieve as a cluster is one to mobilize the institution and get them to catch the vision yes and the second one is to get the community okay, to be able to break away from that dependency syndrome, syndrome that okay, and realize that they have a potential mm -hmm. and realize that they could do it with their resources around them. Mm -hmm. okay. Many years ago, Chasul was doing something in, in a pilot a program in a village, and in five villages. And we call it the community-based approach to healthcare. Okay, and we had very powerful results from that pilot, but it was unfortunate that um, the funding didn't continue for us to continue them. And of course, we had this stiff neck from the health professionals. Oh, they'll give you all the theory about um, community participation yeah. and intersectorial collaboration. Yeah. But when it comes to the ground where they will lose their power doing it, mm -hmm. 
they step back. Exactly. <laughs> so again, we believe that CHGN, I'm excited about CHGN because I know that is the most sustainable way to bring development, be it health, be it education, be yes. it whatever, to yeah. the people. This is what yeah. we, uh, all our members think. This is what all our membership yeah. think at the moment. At this point, Walter and Adbane finished addressing the forum and a discussion came about. Other cluster members were able to offer their encouragement, but also their advice and comment on how the Sierra Leone cluster might develop. I've included this discussion in full because I think it's a useful insight into how a Community Health Global Network forum works. So you're going to hear from quite a few people now from the different African clusters. You'll hear from Dan and Robbins in Kenya, Dorothy from Tanzania, you'll hear from Elizabeth from the UK. But first up, here's Elvis from Zambia. Clusters, sometimes we want to think like it's like a bomb that blows out. But let's think of a cluster that blows in, right? The, the, the energy is contained. It's, 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 it's enjoyed. I don't know how to explain that. But otherwise, you have the answer. You actually have, believe me. You know what you want to do. And like I was telling Tanzania, it's baby steps. Mm -hmm. This is what we came out from India, those who went to India. Baby steps. Yeah. Begin from one corner and let it grow and grow. Nature, you cannot actually use shortcuts. It, 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 it implodes. So when you go back, I mean, you have friends, Matthews and the rest. Sometimes Matthews will be understood more than they will understand you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the beauty of relationships. Yeah. My, my comment on uh, just what, what Elvis has said is, um, one, I appreciate the passion you guys have. Actually, uh, it has made me feel... <laughs> Wanting to come to Sierra Leone, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I should. <laughs> and uh, we we share similar challenges and problems, but on a different level altogether, because we are also very privileged. Uh, one comment that I thought is when it comes to the cluster, most of the groups, the interfaith, have always played, uh, have been waiting for things, or things have erupted is when they come in. CHGN would play a proactive role. Don't wait until your model will be different. Rather than something happens, you look ahead like an early warning, early response. Yeah, that's, that's my comment. It, that would be a different approach mm -hmm. altogether, and it's a positive aspect. Mm -hmm. Don't wait until the next disaster, the next before 10 years. Before we... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before. Actually, I like that. We went, I went to Sierra Leone in response to Ebola, got this group, I have a, I have a group of friends there, and we were we were talking about we should not be reactive. Let's be proactive. And I I had I had and when I left the first time I was like oh I hope they got the message, and when I went the second time, they were the ones who actually said Elvis, don't talk about Ebola here. We are bitter, we are we are frustrated. It, this treat it as gone. But let's pick on health issues. And then simple things, sanitation. And I even tell the Zambians that the, the response or the result from that, it's very, you, you, to me I would say it's a miracle. 
because the third visit, they had about five genuine changes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe just to mention a little bit something about, uh, you guys mentioned something about the, the group that uh, gather somewhere close to the office and uh, they're very rowdy and politicians come to yeah. use it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I would like us to pick a piece from the SALT approach. You remember like the village visit that we were doing yesterday? Yes. Instead of trying to look for how they can be removed from there, uh -huh. you can coexist. Okay. And once you start coexisting and you're using the SALT approach, it will be very easy for them to know what you don't like. Yes. And, 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 and for you to really know, know like, as much as they, they could still be there and, and not really do the things you don't like. So True. then you learn to coexist and it can reach a point where they might decide to pick on another location without True. really pushing them. Yeah. Yeah. Basically why they are resistant to moving um, is the fact that what they are doing there, in fact, apart from the fact of the drug abuse and whatever, yeah. it's survival. Yeah. Ah, the wash cars. The wash cars yeah. and all that. They sell yeah. little, little things. Yeah. They sell there are some food. idlers among them, mm. but the majority are for survival. Okay. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think hear him out. Yeah. What he is suggesting so is brilliant. Yes. Because well, I when I came last yeah. time, my first challenge to the team was. Can you look out the window and tell me what you see? <laughs> I knew what was happening. Okay. But everyone who looked out the window came back to me and said, I saw trees, I saw, I saw cars. Yeah. And the thing is, people are deliberately ignoring us. Yeah. But everyone is hurting. Yeah. But what he's saying is, whatever comes to you, remember, you are a magnet. You have attracted it. So look at your values. They are there because they feel safe. Of course, okay. And what he said is critical. So when you go, don't go to all of them. Mm -hmm. Deliberately, because even in communities, people have rings. Teachers, help the, the witch doctors, whatever. So deliberately pick those you think are the key. And don't even call them like you want to talk about their movement out. No. You, you, you talk about, do we people, do we need a kiosk or something? Do we develop a car park or something? Just like that. And then you, you can have discussions. Be patient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's something too about just the word empathy keeps coming yeah. in my mind, yeah. and I think empathy is really underrated. It's a soft, it's a nice thing, but mm -hmm. I think it's so so powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, if we are truly empathetic, if we really take off my shoes and come into your shoes, yeah. my whole worldview changes. And for me, that's one of the beautiful things about clusters. You know, okay. we are, we are with other people, other ways of seeing the world, and suddenly we have this immersion into empathy. And I think we can do a lot with that. I'm learning. Let me just share one thing that we also discussed at our cluster formation meeting. Yes. One thing we were looking at was what we did to the income generation. Yeah. Well, we looked at it as fundraising. fundraising. And one idea that came out at the meeting that we would definitely yeah. explore mm. is that as a cluster, we could it's look for, for, for a call mm -hmm. and go in as a consortium mm -hmm. level. Okay. And that could be able to generate the necessary fund for activity 
and for administration. Uh -huh. But we are looking at that, we're studying like it. Like someone said, the voice of voices. Yes. Mm -hmm. That what can you achieve when you are many voices? Yeah. Fundraising or whatever, yeah. advocacy. Yeah. Yeah. One word that uh, you go with. We have to congratulate you for a great work. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. I've been hearing about Ebola as a medical personnel. It's terrible. But there's a proverb which says, mm -hmm. don't fight people, join them. So that is the message of empathy. You have not to fight people. You join them. And God will open the way and wisdom will come there and then. You get these people and you will move. Sawa, sawa. Thank you. And that's just about it for this month's podcast. As ever, if you have any feedback or ideas, then please do leave your comments on the SoundCloud page. And if you think you know anyone who might be interested in this podcast, then do share it with others. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>